Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 11. Look what it says here. It says, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain. That, that's, a, that's a tough combination. I've got a lot to share with you, but it's hard to share it with you. I've got a lot that I want to get out, but it's difficult to explain, difficult to put in words, difficult to say. Now, this is why. Watch the reasoning. Since you have become dull of hearing, you have become dull of hearing. So he says, I've got much more. Everyone say much more. How many of you know we, have, we haven't even touched the surface of what God's word wants to reveal to us? We haven't even touched, you know, I, I'm thankful uh, that, that we are in a church that values the word of God. Amen. We're in a church that values uh, the uncompromised, the untarnished word of God, that, that we don't deviate, we don't compromise, we don't water down. Uh, and that's not anything on me. That's the spirit of God. And we just want to communicate the word for what it is. Amen. And let the chips fall where they may. And we want to cover all of the word. Uh, Paul told his people, he said, I'm so thankful I didn't uh, retain any counsel of God. I didn't keep anything from you, but I gave you full counsel of God's word. And so there is so much more to be discovered, so much more to be revealed, so much more that God wants to show us. We can look at the same verse 10 times and see 10 different truths. 10 different examples, 10 different ways that we can apply it to our lives, 10 different ways that it can, it can open up to us. But he says that it becomes hard to explain when we have become hard of hearing. The word becomes hard to explain, hard to receive is what he's saying. He's saying that the, the writer of this book, many of it believed to be uh, Paul, is saying it's hard to explain, not on my end, I want to share this with you. I want to give this to you. Jesus even said that once to his disciples. He said, I've got many more things I want to share with you, but you can't bear them now. You can't bear them now. So that tells me this. I have a personal responsibility to position myself to receive the word of God. So many people today are, are longing for words and, and going to different things. I mean, we're getting ready to have uh, host a, a powerful conference here this weekend with, with Jerry and Webb and Light Breaks Through <clears throat> starting uh, tomorrow night at 7 o'clock and then all day Friday. And if you can if make any way to be here, it's going to absolutely impact your life, whether you can be here for, for one or all the sessions. Um, and they can go to your website, Jerry Ann, and, and see all the itinerary, lightbreaksthrough.com, light, or org, lightbreaksthrough.com, or org. She, she took them all up. She said, I'm going to make sure people can find our website. So uh, you can find the full itinerary. And, and these are opportunities where we can hear God's word, hear God's voice, receive something. You know, it only takes one word to change your life forever. How many of you have received impact just from one word? You, you could pinpoint it. I remember I was telling our uh, kids at youth camp, you know, it's, it's all hyped up and you got an auditorium, about 600 kids in there dancing, shouting, got an amazing worship team, amazing speakers. But I told them, I said, it's in the small moments of devotion where God will share with you something that will stay with you forever. Thankful for these opportunities where we can come corporately, but thankful for the opportunities in my own 
bedroom, in my own office, in the car, I can get one sentence, write that down on a piece of paper, rip it off, put it somewhere, and that is what God will will use to impact my life forever, forever. That's the power of God's word. We put ourselves in positions to hear, but the thing is, is just because I'm positioned geographically or naturally, the real question is, am I positioned spiritually to hear the word of God? Am I positioned spiritually in my heart to receive the word of God? You may recall the uh, parable of the sower that Jesus gave. It's found in Matthew chapter 13 and also in Luke chapter 4. And in the parable of the sower, I, I really like to call it the parable of the soil because there were two things that remained constant, the sower and the seed. All four examples he gave, the the, the uh the, the wayside, the stony ground, the ground where the thorns came out, and then the good ground. All of it remained consistent. There was a seed and there was a sower. The thing that changed was the soil. The soil is what determined the receptivity or the welcoming, the receiving of the seed. This word that we're ministering even right now is going forth as a seed. Many of us want trees. Many of us want finished products. But then God gives us one seed. And usually, you know, it's, it's, we are disregarding seeds or casting them away or devaluing what they can really do. But what would happen if we honored even the small moments? What would happen if we honored even the smallest of words? Just the word of encouragement. It might not be a word from a pastor with a, a, a 10,000 member church. It might be a word from your coworker in your cubicle that you show up to work thinking this person's irritating me. I hope they don't bother me today. And they may have something to say to you that could alter your life if it's in line with the word of God. This, it's a seed. And so what he's saying here is I've got a responsibility to posture myself and position myself, not just naturally, but spiritually. Along these same lines, uh, Paul himself did encourage a young man named Timothy. And he said these words. He said that in the last days, we would heap up for ourselves teachers. Now think about that for a moment. When we think about the last days and how dark they get and how dreary they get and, 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 and you think there's ungodliness and unrighteousness just running rampant and, and, and you would think that the word of God or access to it would be at an all-time low. But what the writer, what, what Paul actually says is, in the midst of all this unrighteousness, ungodliness, and people falling away from the faith and false teachers rising up, he says they're actually going to have more access to the word of God than ever before. <laughs> so then comes in deception and the need for discernment in my life because he says that my hearing has become dull even though I've got full access think about our world today the technology we have i mean you could you could literally listen to a different pastor different minister around the clock and not hear the same thing spoken twice you you we have the bible on on our phones on our apps we've we've got we we we've got so much content so much access we've got the bible and then we've got a hundred different people that break down the bible we've got so much but yet we're not moving closer to god we're actually moving further away He says that they will heap up for themselves teachers, which tells me this. They will actually desire to hear 
but still receive nothing. What a dangerous position that we would confuse, watch this, that we would confuse knowledge with faith. We cannot live in a generation, we cannot be a people that confuse knowing about something as knowing something. Just because I can believe something about God does not mean I believe in God. There's a difference. Isn't there a difference between just knowing something about God but actually knowing him? I mean, Jesus, even in Matthew chapter 7, he was addressing the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the time, and he even said these words. He said, you're going to go around prophesying, casting out demons. You're going to say, didn't we do all these signs and wonders in your name? And then he's going to respond and say what? Depart from me, you doers of wickedness, for I never knew you. That's just an interesting thought. So we gotta, we have to just take into account and we just got to take an internal uh, 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 checkup, if you will, to say, just because I'm around it doesn't mean, even just because I'm in it doesn't mean it's in me. Am I staying receptive to the word of God? Am I, resta- am I staying teachable? Am I staying correctable? Am I, can I allow the word of God to challenge me? Or have I gotten to a place where I feel I'm above correction, I'm above being taught, I'm above being shown something new, being given a new revelation? Or do we have a hunger and a thirst for his word? He says it's hard to explain because you've become hard of hearing. And he continues on. Here in verse 12, for though by this time, so now he's giving us a timeline, okay? Now he's showing us that there is a time where we can expect certain results, okay? We, we want to grow. We want to develop, especially as we come into the kingdom as new believers, uh, uh, new believers in Christ, and, and, and we want uh, to allow that time to take place. But he says here, they will become at a certain point that we should be able to see some fruit. We should be able to see some results that you have received what we believe you received. He says, by this time, you ought to be teachers. Yet you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. Now that's, for me, that's one of the most discouraging things to hear. I, I hate having to be heard that I have to be shown something again. I remember algebra. Everybody remember algebra. And about this time, uh, my junior year, however many years ago that was, I was in summer school doing again what I should have gotten the first time. While everybody else, do, everybody else is out doing whatever they want, I'm in summer school. That's the, those two words do not belong in the same sentence. It's either summer or it's school. And they found a way to torture me with algebra for two more months after I had already, but if I would have gotten it the first time, look at your neighbor say, if you would have gotten it the first time, look at your neighbor, tell him, if, if you would have just gotten it the first time, we wouldn't need summer school, right? That's what he's saying here. You need some summer school on this stuff. You've got to see it Again, you need someone to teach you. And this was, this was where he began with. You ought to be teaching someone else. We ought to be able to share it with someone else. But what? I can't give away what I don't yet have. 
If I don't have it, I can't give it away. I, I, I've got, I, I can only give away what I have. And so he says, you ought to be giving this stuff away, but yet you need someone to show it to you again. The first principles of the oracles of God, the basics, the, the, the fundamentals, the foundation. And you have come to need milk. It doesn't mean that we get to a point where we abandon milk. But we ought to get to a point where we can begin to enter in and begin to receive some solid food, he says. I'm always going to need milk. I'm always going to need the foundation principles. I mean, when we go to Genesis 1, 26, 27, 28, when we go to John 3, 16, when we go to these fundamental foundational, you're on the inside, you should be saying, yes, what else can I see? Not, oh, that verse again. I know, Pastor Mar, I can quote it, you know, but, what, but just because you can quote it with your mouth does not mean it's in your heart. We cannot be confused with knowledge or confuse knowledge with real faith. You've come to need milk and not solid food. This is what he says, verse 13. For everyone who partakes only of milk, y'all see that, right? Only of milk is unskilled. Did you know that there could be a, that you can develop a skill with the word of God? I mean, if you can be unskilled, then you must be able to be skilled in the word of God. That means that I have been taught to the ability that I can apply it. That's what skill means. I, I, I'm, I've been taught to the level that I can now apply. You aren't skilled at a craft if you can't actually do it. Skilled means I've been taught and now I can do. Now I can put it into practice. Now I can put it into motion. You, do, you want a skilled mechanic working on your car. Not just someone that can tell you what that noise is or how to fix it or what parts you need to be replaced and how much it's gonna cost. I need someone skilled that can actually get up under this thing and do all the stuff you say needs to be done. The worst thing in the world is someone that can tell you what's wrong without being able to solve it. <laughs> right? We got enough of those people. Oh, I know what's wrong with that person. Oh, I know what's going on there but you have no ability to put your hand to it and actually see it resolved, bring a solution. Anybody can find a problem. Give me someone that can find solutions to a problem. And so he's saying, you're unskilled. You, 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 you know some stuff, but we're not able to do it yet. And he says that we can be unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word. They can tell you what's wrong, can't fix it in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Now watch this in verse 14. But solid food, solid food belongs to those who are of full age. Another word for that would be mature. Um, another word that the New Testament uses is perfected or perfect. That doesn't mean you don't ever blow it. It means what mature means, it means that you can make the decision by listening to the voice on the inside and not relying on a voice on the outside. Prime example, you know, my son, I've used this example for a long time and I knew I'd get to a point, at, hopefully at some point, that I could begin to use it on the back end when my son was younger if we got to the edge of a road, what's he going to do? 
go out in the road. He has no idea, no concept that sidewalk, street are two different areas and some things happen on streets that don't happen in sidewalks, okay? But now he's gotten older. When he was younger, he needed my external voice, my external, uh, 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 you know, accountability to say, hold on, look both ways before we cross this street. But now he's old enough, he's mature enough that he can listen to a voice on the inside. Now, I'm not just talking about the Holy Spirit, I'm talking about his own ability to, to think, whoa, wait, sidewalk, street, cars, this is where we walk. Before I step out here, I need to look to see what's coming. That's maturity. And what's, what, what, what happens as believers is we, we don't always develop the maturity. We rely on external voices to keep us out of sin, to keep us out of doing wrong. Somebody else has to step in and say, hey, whoa, what are you doing? And we need that. We need accountability in our lives. We need people on the outside that can step in and say, whoa, hey, that's not good for you. We want to go the other direction. We don't want to partake of that. We don't want to be around that. We don't want to say that. But at some point, we need to be able to yield and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit on the inside that says, you don't want to do that. You don't want to go there. That's maturity. That's what it means to be perfected. And he says, those of full age, that is, watch this. This is where it gets good. That is, those who by reason of use, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised. I mean, this, this phrase right here is one of my favorite phrases. This, this sentence in the entire Bible. Who by reason of use, that means they put it into practice, have their senses exercised. We know what exercise means, right? That means you're, you're working it out. That means you're, there's repetition with exercise. You, you don't go in the gym and do one of everything and say, all right, I'm done, I exercise. <laughs> no, exercise is I, I have worked it, challenged myself, done it in, in rep repetition, exercised. And also when you exercise something, you strengthen it, Right? That's the point of exercise is to strengthen something. Their senses have been strengthened to discern. That means to determine the difference between. That's what discernment is. To, to determine the difference between both. Now watch this. Good and evil. They have their senses exercised through use, through practice, to determine the difference between good and evil. Now, this is the problem that I have with this verse. I feel like I don't need to have my senses exercised to recognize the difference between good and evil. We think that inherently we can recognize the difference between good and evil. But the writer of Hebrews is saying that, especially in these last days, if we don't develop a proper sensitivity and receptivity to the word of God, put it into practice, 
exercise our senses, we will miss the difference and we will call evil good and we will call good evil. How incredible that we could call two things that couldn't be more contrasted, couldn't be more different, couldn't be more conflicting, couldn't be more contradictory, and we would call them one another. But yet that's what we see in these last days, isn't it? We see a falling away. We see a a, a poor recognition between good and evil. We see a poor recognition between, and and, and this happened in Jesus' time. 2,000 years ago, they were already stumbling over themselves with this. That's why they killed Jesus. You don't kill a savior. You don't put to death the very one that is coming to save you unless you can't recognize good versus evil. Unless your discernment is hindered because you have no longer been able to receive. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders, they did not have a strong receptivity to Jesus. And they missed it, even though he was standing right in front of them. This is what is compromised. This is what, what uh, gets, uh, uh, is left unguarded when we do not continue to keep ourselves receptive to the word. He said hard of hearing. It doesn't mean that they're shoving away. I don't want to hear that anymore. They don't want to hear truth anymore. Uh, the, that, that passage I was referring to with Paul and Timothy, he says they, uh, that they will heap up for themselves teachers according to what they desire, specific teachers. Guys, let me tell you one of the most dangerous things, one of the most dangerous positions we can put ourselves in, especially in these last days, is to only hear what we want to hear. That will never yield the results you desire in your life. It, it will never yield what you want. I mean, parents, if, if we could teach our children to receive correction and be teachable, to, to be in a posture where I don't only desire to hear. You know, sometimes it's good just to open yourself up. I know it makes you, I know you become vulnerable. I know that it, it's not a position that we desire at all, but sometimes it's just good to find someone you're close to, obviously. You can't just go to anybody. Find someone that believes in you, cares about you, and just say, what, what challenged me? What, what, what do you see in my life that I need to work on? That is a posture of maturity, not immaturity. Now, again, don't just go to anybody. People will pick out all kinds of stuff. You want to find someone that will believe in you. This is the way I would do it. What challenged me? What is something that, I, that you see I need to work on in my life? And give me one way this week I can work on that. Because if they will identify a problem, they'll bring a solution. If they can't bring a solution, then you probably shouldn't go to that person anymore. No, we want to address these things. But we want to keep a healthy balance in our life of being able to receive feedback, being able to have people uh, 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 speak into our lives. And that doesn't mean, you know, prophesying and, 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 and just speaking. You know, you hear the term speak life. You know, that's just a very popular term right now. We need to speak life. But sometimes life will come in the form of challenge. Life will come in the form of contradiction. Life will come in the form of correction. There's life in that. The Bible says uh, that you can know that you're loved by God if he chastises, if he's, if, if, if he's bringing up those opportunities. That's, that's actually a mark of a father that cares. Uh, I like to put it this way. You care about what you correct. 
You care about what you correct. And so these individuals in the, in, in the book of, of Hebrews have postured themselves or positioned themselves in a way that they are not receptive or so easily hearing the word of God. They've only desired milk. They've only desired the, the, the basics and in a position where they ought to have been able to teach and share and develop and pour into others, they haven't even been able to receive themselves. Look at this over in Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four. We need to keep ourselves in a posture where we are receptive to the word of God, receptive to its work in our lives and allow it to challenge us and grow us and develop us. And in Ephesians chapter four, it, it's put this way, starting with verse 14. It says that we should no longer be children. Now we could just stop right there and identify once again that there is an expectation of maturation. There's an expectation of growth. There's an expectation of development. He's saying we should no longer be children. Well, we all come in as babes in Christ. We all come in as children's and look, and when you're a child, when, when, when you're a babe, there's certain things that you need. You need care and attention. You need someone meeting your needs and attending to your needs. You need to be taken care of and poured into. And you're not in a position where you're trying to give away. You're in a position where I'm trying to receive. We need that. But he's saying that at some point, there's, there's this growth and development expectation that we should no longer be children, watch this, tossed to and fro. One of the identifiers of a child is, is they're wishy-washy. They're not very well grounded, not very well rooted. They, they, they don't know exactly what they want, exactly what they're looking for. And so they begin chasing, tossed to and fro, easily swayed. It's an indicator of, of child. You know, we are to be childlike, but we're not to remain childish. There's a difference. <laughs> I want to be childlike in my attitude. I want to be childlike in my mentality, childlike in my receptivity, but I don't want to remain childish. There's a difference. I got to grow up. Got to develop. I don't want to be tossed to and fro and carried about. That means you have no say. When you're carried about, that means someone else is dictating. No, we need to be able to be grounded, carried about, but with every wind of doctrine. And see, that's what happens again. It's not that they're completely falling away, or, or, you know, abandoning, I don't want anything to do with God. They're, they think they have a form of righteousness, but deny the, 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 the power thereof. They have a form of, of they, look, these people go to church. These people listen to teachings. These people uh, uh, will tell you all the problems you have and how to fix them. The, these individuals, uh, they have on the outside the showiness, just like the religious leaders, just like the Pharisees and Sadducees. And if we're not careful, we will call evil good and call good evil. They're carried about by every wind of doctrine. Notice it doesn't say false doctrine. It says every wind of doctrine. They're desiring to go after things, but they're not grounded and rooted. By the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness 
of deceitful plotting. Verse 15, but, everyone say but. So that means he's giving us an answer. He's giving us a response to what he just declared. Don't be a child. Don't be tossed to and fro. Carry around by every uh, wind of doctrine, not having a say. Being tricked, falling for cunning craftiness. So the answer is speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love. It seems that this day, we only know one or the other. Truth is on trial. Truth is on trial today. And probably more so in America than anywhere else. It's unbelievable the things that are tolerated in the name of love. It's amazing the things that are accepted, the things that are welcomed, the things that are, are received, uh, the, the things, uh, uh, I would even go any further, that are harbored, protected in the name of love. If, if we are a person of love, then apparently we have no idea what sin is. We have no idea even how to respond to sin. We have no idea what God even thinks about sin. I can tell you right now, God views sin the same way he's always viewed it. Okay? It hasn't changed. Sin is sin. Unrighteousness is unrighteousness. It's never going to change. The church might change its idea. Uh, the world may try to redefine its terms, but it, it's impossible to change God's mind. You cannot go to God and say, hey, you know what? It's 2019. I mean, everybody's doing this. It, God, it's, it's time to get with the program. Your, your idea, a little archaic, a little antiquated. I mean, it's about 6,000 years old. You, you want to upgrade, want to revise the plan a little bit? God's saying no revisions, just vision. No revision, just vision. He says, this is, this, is, this is how you receive the best for your life. But this is the thing. On the flip side, if we're love people, we don't know what sin is. But then if we're truth people, we don't know what love is. I love that this verse is here because it, 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 removes, it removes this idea that it is one or the other. Truth in love. This is what this verse tells me the container is just as important as the content. What I put it in is just as important as what I put in it. The truth can be compromised if it's not in love. Truth itself. We will take on different versions of truth if we do not wrap it in love. Now, again, both of these terms, truth and love, both terms are up to God, not up to us. I can't redefine what truth is. I can't redefine what love is. I can't decide what truth is, and I can't decide what love is. It's very clear. His, his word is actually more simpler than we want to give God credit for. He's not trying to be complicated. He's not trying to hide it from us. Paul calls it a mystery, not a mystery because it's difficult to understand. Uh, it, it, it's a mystery because God wants to know how badly you want it. How bad do you desire it? What's your value for it? And so as Jesus said, he's not gonna cast pearls before swine, but, but it's, it's very simple. The Bible tells us that God is love. That means that God cannot orchestrate or carry out any act on his part, whether it's judgment or whether it's a promise, whether it's a blessing or whether it's a, 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 a you know, enacting uh, a punishment, if you will, without operating in love. It's impossible. 
I know for us as human beings, sometimes it's hard to decipher between, but this is where the discernment comes in. This is where the ability of having my senses exercised, that tells me I cannot just go about this casually. I cannot, I've got to be intentional about understanding God's word and exercising God's word and putting it into practice. And so he says, truth in love, speaking the truth in love. And look at what the next three words say. May grow up. May grow up. How do we get out of being just children? How do we get out of acting childish? How do we get out of, of, of just keeping things at a fundamental uh, uh, base level? How do I go from milk to solid food? The truth in love. The truth in love. So I can't redefine truth. I can't redefine love. I've got to keep truth contained in love. He says he may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. That's a tall order. You know, I I read this a lot of times as a pastor in, in verse 11 of this chapter. He defines the fivefold ministry, pastors, teachers, apostles, evangelists, and prophets. He, he defines the fivefold ministry, and that's where this all kicks off. And this is what he said. This is, these fivefold ministers exist so we can see all this. And then I get all the way down there, and he says, speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him, who is the head, Christ. What he's saying is, is that we would grow up to be a reflection of Jesus himself. That's what the church ought to look like. That's how the church ought to be a reflection and reveal Jesus to the world. I truly and firmly believe that. Our coworkers, they don't need Jesus, they need you. And when they get you, they should get Jesus. It should be one and the same. Our world, the people around us, the, 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 the issues we face, the challenges, the church should be solving these issues. We should not be having the same problems the world's having. We are the answer. We don't just have answers. We are the answer. So we've got to overcome in ourselves. We have to have some development. We've got to have, but the development is connected to the receptivity. The, the, as far as I'm going to, grow is as much as I receive. It's dependent on what I receive. It's dependent on what I allow the word of God to shape and mold and form within my life. So we have to recognize this this matter of truth. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and uh, verse 15, First Timothy 3, verse 15, he says, But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself. That's how you live. That's how you behave. That's the patterns you, you keep. How you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. Now, very clearly, I want to identify when he says house of God, he's not talking about a physical geographical location with the building that has a sign that says church. You are the house of God. You are the house of God. Now I've, you know, I've, I've had people, 
I had someone tell me one time that uh, they, they were battling a, a, a deal with cigarettes, smoking cigarettes. And he said, but I, I'll, I'll never do it at church. I, I don't want to do it on church grounds. I said, you are church grounds. You're church grounds. If you wouldn't do it here, you shouldn't do it at Kmart or Walmart or Target or, or whatever. You are the grounds where God resides. You are a living tabernacle. That's where the Holy Spirit resides. 1 Corinthians 6 out, out, outlines this very clearly. You are a temple of the living God. So when he says how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, he's talking about you. Our conduct here shouldn't be any different in our conduct there. But we know for, for, for so many, that's the case. That we, we put on a show here. And then we have, in response to that, we have, church, hey, you know, come as you are. Well, you can come as you are, but let me tell you, Jesus will not leave you as you are. If you've had an encounter with God, you'll look different, be different, talk different, sound different, live different. Things will change when you've been with him. When you've been with Jesus, things change, things break off. Sometimes I think we spend a lot of time trying to counsel things that ought to be cast off. Go through therapy for things that ought to just be broken and done with because Jesus has delivered me. I've been with the master. I've been with Jesus. The disciples' lives were so changed that in Acts chapter 4, it was said of them that they turned the world upside down and they realized these guys had been with Jesus. Guys that had no schooling, had no background, didn't belong in ministry, didn't belong doing any of this stuff. They were just simple Galileans from little no-name places that nobody even cared about. And it was recognized of them they had been with Jesus. There should be a, a, a been with Jesus moment that, the peop that people who come into contact with you recognize. They come into contact with me, they recognize I've been in contact with him. You are church grounds. He says, this is how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. That's you, which is the church of the living God. Now watch this. And the church is the pillar and ground of truth. The church is the pillar and the ground of truth. The church is. Guys, if we can't get truth right, <laughs> nobody is. As the church of the living God, we are the pillar and support, one translation says. We are the ones to uphold truth. If we relent on that, if we neglect holding up truth and redefine what that is, guess what? They're not going to hold us to it. The world is waiting for us to bend and up, waiting for us to compromise what really truth is. But in John chapter 8, in John chapter 8, John chapter 8 and verse 31. We've all seen this. John chapter 8 and verse 31, it says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, he said, If you abide in my word, 
If you abide in my word, abide means to live. It doesn't mean to visit. If I ask you where you abide, you're going to tell me your address. Not where you go on vacation, but where you live, where you reside. That's where you stay. I can't frequent the word of God and be a disciple. I've got to abide in the word of God to be his disciple. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth. And that word know is the word know as in knowing someone or something intimately. Not just know as in information. Know as in revelation. God's word's got to be more than just, God did not design us to live off of information. He designed us to, to thrive off of revelation. That's when the words are more than just black, white, and red, and they come off the page at us. Revelation. He says, you will know the truth. And watch this. And the truth will make you free. It's truth that sets us free. Guys, when we uh, relent on truth, compromise truth, water down truth, we're only hurting them. We're not helping them. We're not. When we hold to the truth, that's where we have others' best interests at heart. When I recognize what truth is and I remain firm and steadfast in that, speaking truth in love, truth doesn't have to be hard. Truth doesn't have to be slammed in someone's face and pushed down someone's throat. Truth doesn't have to, to, to make them feel like a horrible loser. Because you know what else is true? You're a child of God. You know what else is true? You were created in his image and in his likeness. You know what else is true? He's put more inside of you than you even know. If you'll give him, his, give him your life, you'll tap into just a percentage of what he's put inside of you. And where you're at right now is keeping you from that. That's what truth is. But it says truth will make you free. It doesn't say salvation will make you free. It doesn't say Making Jesus Lord of your life, being born again, believing that he died on the cross will make you free. It says the truth will make you free. I know a lot of saved people that are still bound. I know, I know a lot of saved people that still need to be set free because it's the truth. Anytime I shut myself off from truth, I keep myself bound. So no wonder the enemy wants to hide truth. No wonder the enemy wants to put truth on trial. No wonder that the enemy wants to call evil good and call good evil. No wonder he's trying to hide the truth. This is the thing. It, 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 it's not necessarily knowing the difference between good and evil that's difficult. It's knowing the difference between good and God. That's a whole nother level. It, think about the deception that the enemy wants. The, you know what the enemy, he doesn't want you to just fully abandon and walk away from God. He wants you to think you're living righteously when you're not. He wants you to think you're going towards him when you're not. He wants you to put on the show. The, the Pharisees, Sadducees, it wasn't the, the, the people that were completely abandoned from God. Those were the ones that ended up coming to Jesus. It was the ones that thought they already knew him. And then when they were confronted with who Jesus really was, if you go on and read John chapter 8, 9, and 10, you'll find out the confrontation that truth had. When he made this statement, he's talking to individuals. He's, he's in an argument. He's in a debate. 
right here. Trying to convince the people that you are of your father, the devil. Now try telling a church person you are of your father, the, the devil. Read on down. That's, that's, what, that's, that's the conversation he says. If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. He says it right there. That's in verse uh, 42 and 43. You can't understand me because you're not able to listen to my word. Your receptivity, your sensitivity, your ability to receive the seed into the soil, it's falling on wayside right now. He just goes on and he tells them. In John chapter 14, now he's talking to his disciples. In John chapter 14, and verse 16. John 14, verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. Verse 17, the spirit of truth. God believes in truth so much that he sent his Holy Spirit as a spirit of truth. He believes and values truth so much. It doesn't say spirit of love. It doesn't say spirit of peace. It doesn't say spirit of joy. All those things are great, but guess what? If I'm not walking in truth, I can't walk in love and joy and peace and patience. We know that those are the fruit of the spirit, but this says here, he is the spirit of Truth, it all starts with truth. If I want to experience the fruit of the Spirit, I've got to experience the truth of the Spirit. I cannot have one without the other. He says he's the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. They can't even recognize him because they're receptivity, once again, going back to Hebrews chapter five, they've become dull or hard of hearing. I cannot grow in truth if I don't allow myself to continue to receive and hear truth. It neither, it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, watch this, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Once again, that's, all, that's intimate living. If somebody dwells with you and is in you, is, is, is so, you're so consumed by him that you and him are one and, and he's got the ability to speak to you and, and direct you and guide you and teach you and lead you, that's pretty intimate. That's how well we have to know this. Over in John uh, chapter 15, verse 26, he reiterates this. <coughs> In John 15, verse 26, but when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. So once again, he calls him the Spirit of truth. If I can't yield to the Spirit, then I can't yield to truth. 
I've got to have the Holy Spirit working in my life. I've got to yield to his voice, be sensitive to his voice, be sensitive to his leading and his guiding. And that's what helps me exercise my senses so I can recognize the difference between. Otherwise, I fall prey to thinking I know truth when I don't. To thinking I know the difference between good and evil when I don't. Amen. So back over in Hebrews chapter 5. Now that we've recognized truth, that we have to yield to the Holy Spirit, just to wrap this up and close this out. Hebrews chapter 5, again with verse 11, of whom we have much to say. And hard to explain since, so the reasoning he's given is because we've, we've become hard, dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracle of God, of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. They know about it but they don't know it, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Guys, my simple encouragement tonight is to allow ourselves to be open and receptive to the word of God. Guys, we have to be intentional with this. We have to exercise this. We have to keep it in front of us. That's why he says you have to abide in my word and my word abides in you. Then you'll be my disciples, followers, pupils, students. Then you will do and apply in practice what you hear and you will not be tossed to and fro, led astray, remain a child, but you will mature and develop by practicing what you hear and that way we can develop and grow and we can change the world. That's the connection for everything. Starting with how I hear and what I hear determines changing my world and being a difference, being the answer in our communities, in our world, in our own lives. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithaboutaustin.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.